Hello and welcome to another episode of our new podcast, Marquette in Milwaukee. In this podcast, we'll explore the connections between Marquette University and the city it calls home, Milwaukee. I'm your moderator, Chris Jenkins, and our host is the 24th president of Marquette University, Mike Lovell. Our guests for this episode of Marquette in Milwaukee are Bill Hank, the dean of Marquette's College of Education, Jonathan Dunn, goal manager for Milwaukee Succeeds, and Sabrina Bartels, an alumna of Marquette's College of Education and a counselor in the West Dallas, West Milwaukee School District. Welcome to you all. Thank you. Thank you, Chris. So you all spend a lot of time thinking about education in Milwaukee. Let's start by envisioning the future. When you think about the education landscape 20 years from now, what would you like to see? What needs to change and what needs to happen? Well, uh, I guess I'll start, Chris, and, you know, I think about in 20 years from now what success looks like, and that would be every student uh, in Milwaukee will have access to the same level of education and where they'd all have a chance to succeed on a level playing field. And uh, there's several things need to happen. Obviously, uh, one of those is bringing resources uh, to the schools and actually bringing alignment, you know, in, amongst uh, the institutions uh, in the city. And really, it t- it's going to take a full effort. It's not going to be, you know, one group or another. We really all need to get behind this. The educational institutions, the corporations industry, and the schools themselves need to help uh, really uh, find a way to get everyone you know, access to a great education. And Bill, your thoughts on that? Well, I'd like the timeline to abbreviate it to 10 years. <laughs> um, my hopes and aspirations are the same as Dr. Lovell's, which is a truly high-quality education for every school child in the Milwaukee region. Uh, We don't have a level playing field here. Everywhere poverty exists, so does underachievement. So what is a community going to do? How is it going to rise up and support our schools in ways that they can be maximally successful? And, you know, my hope is that, you know, Milwaukee is a place where there are some um, politics around the types of schools that we have, I would like for that not to matter. Uh, You know, where we operate as though we're child advocates and advocates for adolescents, and it's all about let's just get every child as far as we possibly can. And I will say this, I think education is the answer to a lot of society's ills. So if we're able to attain that aspiration in 20 years, we're gonna have a different looking society. Thank you so much. Jonathan, your thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean, it's connected to what Bill is thinking. Um, My colleagues often know that I think in quotes. And so one quote that comes to mind in particular is by Frederick Douglass. It talks directly to to what you're saying, Bill, about we are one, our cause is one. If we are to succeed, we must work together. And so for me, when thinking about 20 years from now, um, that might mean uh, universal early childhood education. That might mean uh, thinking about pushing towards free post-secondary training uh, for all in our community. That also might mean uh, the way we think about and care for uh, and value and honor educators within our community for the work they do daily. Um, And really, I think it comes down to something central for me, is how do we make sure that all schools, whether we're talking about public charter choice uh, are thriving, are thriving uh, not just for the staff, but for the kids that are in the, in the, in the building. Sabrina, what, what would you like to see? Um, you know, I would really love to see, I have to echo everyone with me, um, you know, definitely that push to make education possible for everyone. And I think part of that also goes to mental health and really focusing on mental health for students, um, the effects of trauma on student brains and how it affects them in development and in school. So I think that would be what I hope would be a really big push. 
Another question for the group. How does and how should Marquette play a role in the Milwaukee education community? Well, I, I really think there's there's many facets to that, but I think the two most important is, first of all, teacher you know, training. And so for us to be a model, not just for Milwaukee, but around the country, what urban education looks like. So our teachers, when they go out into the field, they are prepared to provide excellent education to you know, the diverse student populations they're going to be seeing. And the second is research. You know, I think that we can be an institution where we can perform research, particularly in the urban education area, because we have such a ripe you know, area to do with, with the disparities we have in the city. You know, we can do some remarkable research that other places may not be able to do. And so I think if we can come up with new, you know, ways to educate students in urban environments, you know, through the research and then be able to train that and have it be, you know, spread throughout the country, that'd be incredible for us. Bill, obviously, this is a topic close to your heart. Yeah, as a Jesuit institution, we're really called to be present to our cities. And to me, education done properly is a gift to a city. So this is kind of a good problem to have in answering a question is I feel like we're really doing a lot, but I feel like we could be doing much more uh, because the the challenges are that robust uh, in this. And just, you know, an example or two would be we have our Hartman Literacy and Learning Center, which I knew about long before I came to Marquette, <clears throat> nationally recognized, you know, is outstanding. Uh, best practices for teacher preparation, um, the instrument used around the world to assess kids developed right in that in that clinic uh, kind of uh, setting. And it's the the tutoring we provide these at-risk children that give them, you know, a much better chance at a high quality of life. And to uh, Sabrina's point about mental health, our partnership with Penfield uh, Children's Center uh, our behavior clinic, where we engage in what we call pediatric mental health, which is how do we help families with toddlers, you know, ages two to five, who have rather severe and emotional problems, often single parent families. This would be tough for any family to handle. And, uh, you know, we don't have them come to us. We go into their homes and we teach them how to control the environment in a way where the children can be successful. And, you know, in those homes where the family dynamic is positive like that, uh, abuse is much less. And these kids are, you know, ripe for being abused. Uh, and, and trauma, it's like we find that almost every case in our behavior clinic, there's trauma associated with it. So imagine being between the ages of two and five and dealing with trauma when adults can't really handle it. So those are two of the things I'm probably most proud of in the College of Education as uh, contributing to our outreach mission. Jonathan, as somebody not within the Marquette community, but obviously with ties to it, what do you see from Marquette and what else would you like to see? Yeah, I would say two things that come to mind for me. One, I, I think you're both speaking to it, but I think it's part of it is listening well to the community within which you're uh, established and finding ways to engage that community and to, I would say, to build from the assets that are within the neighborhoods, that are within the institutions, the community-based organizations. To, so that's one, is to build from those assets and to listen well. The second would be coming back to the idea of teacher training. We know that teachers are uh, the number one school-based factor that impacts learning. And so if we are to think about that, um, that idea, how do we come alongside the teachers that are new to our profession and support them so they can accelerate their practice and improve what they're doing inside the classroom? 
Sabrina, as a uh, fairly recent student, how were you engaged in the community as a student? What kind of experiences did you get out in the community? I mean, Marquette was so great about providing us with opportunities with so many different schools. Um, you know, I, I was at West Dallas for my internship, but I had many friends who also went through, and they were in all the way up in Shorewood. They were in MPS schools. They was and everywhere that Marquette name was very well known and very well respected, and it was really an honor to you know be a part of that. Um, so I think that there was a lot of really good things going on already working with the Penfield Behavior Clinic. Again, that was such a wonderful idea to do. Absolutely. And you were kind of inspired to go to West Dallas permanently based on your experiences there? Is that Yeah, I, I was. Marquette has had a really close relationship um, with West Dallas. That's where I interned um, for two years. And I actually work at a school now that I interned at. So it was mm-hmm. it was pretty awesome to do that. Sabrina, tell us a little bit about why you chose Marquette. When I first came to Marquette, um, or I was first applying to Marquette, and actually I should probably back up. When I was in eighth grade, I came to Marquette, the campus, and I was like, oh, this is really pretty. I wish I could go here. Um, so when I was applying for college, um, I met with an admissions counselor. Um, I can Latrice Harris Collins. Mm, She's yeah. amazing. And she, she sat me down, and I had come in with my mom. And she asked why I wanted to go to Marquette. And my mom really helpfully had jumped in because I was kind of trying to find the right words. And I remember Latrice looked at my mom and she goes, I want to hear from her. And I was like, oh, okay. So this was new. So I, w- I was talking about, you know, why I wanted to go to Marquette. And she said, well, what, what would hold you back? And I said, financially, it would be really difficult. Um, and, you know, at that point, I've been thinking about going to other schools, even though I didn't love them as much, just because financially it was a little bit easier. And she, Latrice had pulled out um, this giant paper and it talked about the scholarships that Marquette offered. And she said, well, I think you should apply for this one, this one, this one. And I said, oh, well, but no one gets scholarships. And she goes, "Uh, uh-uh-uh. She said, you are going to, you know, I think you can do this. You really should try. Um, And I I did. And I I did end up getting a scholarship. And I think without her influence and her really saying, hey, I believe in you. I've, I've known you 20 minutes. I believe in you. That really helped open the door for me to get to Marquette. Bill, along those lines, the College of Education has forged key partnerships with classrooms around the Milwaukee area. How do you prepare your students and graduates to enter the classroom, and and what do you want them to do once they're there? Well, we're, of course, deeply immersed in the professional literature on what represents best practices in teacher preparation. And, uh, you know, we have a real living laboratory here in Milwaukee, and we're um, insistent that all of our students have placements uh, in our urban school settings and actually multiple placements in them. And we kind of come at it from the standpoint like this is what social justice and Catholic social teaching means. How can we be uh, available to our community in ways that uh, lead to student outcomes that are the very best we can hope to accomplish? And. Um, we're fortunate, Marquette. We attract a very high caliber of student, and uh, I think that through our teacher preparation programs, uh, we lead them to where they can be impactful. You know, it's interesting for me because, you know, in programs like this one, it's like um, we're not here looking for credit for Marquette. We're looking for the gratification of the impact we can make. That means be the difference. That's what we're all about. 
and I think, uh, it, you know, I'm proud, of course, of the Hartman Center and the Behavior Clinic, but I'm really proud of our students and what they do because they go beyond making an impact in the schools. I mean, the volunteer work that they do in the community, education units are supposed to be um, outwardly focused, and, and I feel like we really are. And, you know, as Dr. Lovell said, as we can get, if we can get more capacity, we can do even more. And we're excited about those possibilities. I'd imagine a lot of our listeners are familiar with Milwaukee Succeeds. But for those who aren't, Jonathan, tell us a little bit about the organization. Sure. And, uh, you know, for me, Milwaukee Succeeds is an intentional collaboration or a partnership um, over, with over 300 partners. So spanning from cradle all the way to career, uh, including K-12 schools, institutions of higher ed, um, community-based organizations and partners, all really focused in thinking about how do we achieve success for all students in all schools. One of the major goals of Milwaukee Succeeds is increasing college readiness. How do you work with partners like Marquette to achieve that goal? So I'd come back to the idea of intentional collaboration. For me and for Milwaukee Succeeds and those partners that enter into that conversation, it's a way of thinking, it's a process, it's a way of being. Um, and so we have to be mindful of how we collaborate and how to transform some of those relationships. One. Two, it's about looking at some of the underlining assumptions and systems that exist within our community that are causing some of our problems. And so we have to be very mindful of looking at the larger system and looking at some of those underlining assumptions and thinking about how we might go about doing, doing our work differently. Um, and that might mean uh, coming together and collaborating uh, in a large group. That might mean a few partners working together and thinking very concretely and being reflective and curious and persistent about what they're doing. So let's just take one example of college affordability. And one step along that way is just looking at FAFSA completion. Uh, and so we had a project recently thinking about how do we change the FAFSA rate in our community. And so that started off as a, as a smaller group, but it spread to uh, over 30 schools to be thinking about how we increase that, that work. And so for me, when, when we do our work and when we partner together, it's about collaborating and, and co-creating a, a new vision for change or for the future. Mike and Bill, you're both involved with Milwaukee Succeeds. Why is their work important to you? Well, I can, I can think back um, a little over six years ago when Ellen Gilligan from the Great Milwaukee Foundation approached me and asked me to be co-chair of Milwaukee Succeeds. And um, I remember being a little taken back because I, I was not, you know, an edu educator in terms of, um, you know, teacher preparation. And, but I really wanted to get involved with Milwaukee Seeds because to me, as I think about the future of Milwaukee, the only way we will reach our potential is we empower our educational system, you know, to be more successful and to, again, as I said before, to have all children within the city have the opportunity for an excellent education. And so that was kind of, you know, one of the reasons why I knew how important it was for the city to thrive. And the second piece was, is that this, when, when we started Milwaukee Seeds, it just happened kind of after the mayoral takeover you know, process had, had happened and kind of failed. So it was very political in nature, but the Milwaukee Succeeds was not political. It's for all schools and it's very much data driven and being an engineer, you know, that had really appealed to me knowing that we were going to be making decisions on where to invest our resources and the things we were going to work on based on uh, empirical data. And so uh, between those two things, I, I believed that it was an important issue. And I also believed that the approach we were taking was going to help it be successful. For me, it was a matter of knowing how intractable problems like this tend to be. And, uh, you know, some of the struggles that Milwaukee has had with education, they're like 30 years in the making. 
And so there are no quick fixes for this. So one of the things that Milwaukee succeeds said at the front end, and Dr. Lovell and I were both there right at the very uh, beginning, was that they were going to take a long-term horizon to how we were going to do this and leave your politics at the door, which mattered to me. But, but we know, it's abundantly clear that problems of this magnitude are not going to be solved by Marquette University in isolation or any of our partner institutions. It's, it's really all about collective impact. How can we get the entire community to the extent that that's possible, together, laser-focused on trying to move the needle of achievement uh, by working together, by listening to one another. And Milwaukee Succeeds has made that partnership. I mean, the way they have facilitated uh, the four networks, you know, the early childhood network, the, the K-12 network that involves third-grade reading, eighth-grade math, uh, the network that Jonathan oversees on you know, career and college uh, readiness, and then a, a fourth network that has to do with um, really like social and emotional development and all the supports that are needed for the other three. I mean, it's just a it's just a really good model for doing that. We have a long ways to go, but it's the right infrastructure to do it. I believe it really does tie directly to our mission, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. Uh, to to be out there and partnering with an organization like this. Exactly right. The, I mean, the reason why we get involved with Seeds is that's what we're called to do as a Catholic Jesuit institution. I think going back five hundred years in the history of Jesuit education. You know, 500 years ago, universities were there to help train people in professions, to be lawyers, to be priests, to be doctors. And Jesuit universities began to build citizens that were going to improve the communities that they lived in. And that was the purpose of a Jesuit uh, university. And still today, if you think about where Jesuit schools are located, they are all located in cities, and particularly usually in the inner cities. And that's very prescriptive because we know that we need to impact the, those communities which are most in need. Jonathan, uh, another goal of Milwaukee Succeeds is increasing career readiness. What does that programming look like? Well, I, when I think of the continuum around that, that, that there, uh, there are f- maybe four large focal areas. I mean, one centers around the idea of opportunity youth, which is a group of 16 through 24-year-olds within our city. And within the Milwaukee County, that's over 18,000 young people that are not engaged uh, in school or work in a meaningful way. And so there's work that we need to be thinking about, those that are not following the traditional pathway towards workforce and education momentum, that we need to help them to re-engage in meaningful ways back into one of those uh, areas around education and workforce. It it looks like uh, academic preparedness. And so sometimes that is uh, not just the... um, the academics of reading and math, but it's also the the college knowledge to be able to know the career pathways that you want to take and to know how to do that and how to make that transition particularly from secondary, so graduating high school into the post-secondary space. Within our community, we lose almost 40% of the people who graduate who intend to go on to post-secondary don't show up and enroll. And so that's a huge number for us to think about. So that transition would be another area to be thinking about how do we uh, support young people through that transition. And lastly, it's only half the story to get them enrolled. It's really important to make sure that we help young people complete a degree um, or certification. And I think that that's a large part of the work as well, is thinking through and how do we support young people to not only enroll, but to stay and get uh, to get a degree that earns them a family-supporting job. Sabrina, as a counselor, obviously you talk about academic readiness. Obviously you talk about social challenges and social victories, I'd imagine, hopefully sometimes. How does career readiness kind of figure into to your daily work, if at all? So, um 
At my school, I teach a class called Career Pathways, and so what we do is we have our seventh graders focus on what it is they like to do in terms of whether that's a hobby or you know whether that's a sport or something that they really can can get into and really want to do for the rest of their lives. Um, I always talk about in my class. Um, I quote my dad,、uh, who always said, "You know, if you love what you do, you never work a day in your life." So I I try and tell my students, you know, I love what I do. You want to do something that you know you're good. At and that you enjoy,、um, so that's that we focus on that. We do career assessments、um, so that they can see. Okay, here's maybe some suggestions based on your personality, what you would like to do, and then we do planning conferences with all our eighth graders, so they start thinking about high school and thinking about every you know going beyond and getting a job and、um, all those important things that factor in that maybe they don't think about always when they're thirteen. <laughs> Mike, you often talk about preparing market students for jobs that don't exist yet. With Foxconn arriving in Wisconsin, is having that mindset more important now than ever? Not just at Marquette, but at many levels of our education system. I, I mean, and I, the answer is yes. And you know, even before Foxconn was announced, you know, when I met with、uh, CEOs of organizations, you know, throughout the region, the number one worry is always. Their talent pipeline and their future workforce, and having ensuring that we were producing students with the skills that were going to help those organizations、uh, be successful. Now, with Foxconn coming on board with another thirteen thousand employees for them alone, but their whole ecosystem about three two thousand five hundred, you know, with only about less than ten thousand of those being factory workers, we're talking about twenty three thousand, you know, people with. Degrees that they're going to need you know, to really support this region, and so、uh, one of the great things about this is it's 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 a it's a huge challenge for us as higher education institutions, but it's a great opportunity. And Jonathan and I, you know, through our work and、um, Walk Succeeds, are working primarily with the higher institutions, and it's been for us it's it's been great to see how there's a coalescing and alignment by us, and it's actually accelerated our work significantly since this happened. And so for me, you know, I think we're up to the challenge. I'm very excited about you know this opportunity, and I really believe that you know higher ed can really help be a part of you know really helping determine the the, the future of the Greater Milwaukee area through through Foxconn and others that come on board. Right, and there are opportunities. Milwaukee's going through a development boom right now. And、yeah. how do you get that message out there into the for anybody who wants to answer? How do you get that message out into the community, even when people are are young and first starting to think about their career? That yeah, if you put the work in and have a direction, that that there will be opportunities for you. You know, one of the careers. <clears throat> That of course we want to encourage is teaching,、mm-hmm. and you know we have a, a situation in the United States, particularly acute、uh, in the Midwest,、uh, called teacher pipeline, and、uh, w- the way it plays out is that、um, you know teachers were prepared to retire in 2008 and couldn't do it because they lost a third of their retirement portfolio, so they said, well, we'll have to hang in there until we catch up. Same thing true in 2009, 10, 11, 12. Well, guess what? They've all caught up. And they're all leaving at the same time. The juxtaposition of that against fewer people are choosing teaching as a career, it starts to look like a few years down the road, we have a crisis. And、uh, you know, so we are trying to do some things to try to encourage young people to consider teaching. I hope Sabrina will bring that up in her class. <laughs> as a matter of fact. <laughs> Uh, but but、uh, you know we're talking about the possibility of、uh, creating a regional future teacher organization. You know, back when I was in school, quite a while ago, every high school had a future teacher association, and they're almost extinct now. So is that a way we can generate some interest in that? 
Uh, this year, we're um, hosting the Pathways Middle School program. This is for college-bound uh, students, <clears throat> typically African-American or Hispanic. Um, and, you know, it's like, how can we intervene with them while they're on our campus? Tell them, you belong at Marquette or you belong in higher education. And one of the careers you might want to consider is being a teacher. You know, there's enormous gratifications to being a, being a teacher. They deserve all the credit we can give them. Um, people don't understand how hard this work is, but Sabrina and her colleagues uh, in West Dallas and particularly in Milwaukee Public Schools and all over, the work they do on a day-to-day -day basis is heroic, but it's also gratifying. And that's the message that we have to get to young people. It's like, you know, it's not about it's the money. It's about the impact that you'll make on the world. Sabrina, how did you get interested in going into education? Um, so I initially was a broadcasting major. Um, and well, we're putting that to use today. Yeah, I know. Yeah. It's a little <laughs> terrifying. <laughs> um, so I was in broadcasting for four years, and I, I was double major, majoring in broadcasting and psychology. And one day I was sitting in the newsroom, and I was watching all the stories that we were producing, and I just remember thinking, man, this is really sad because all I heard about were, all I heard about was bad news. First of all, you know, it was it was all the tragic things, and then it was I noticed a lot of it focused on teenagers, all the bad things teenagers do, and it made me really sad because I knew a lot of really good teenagers who do a lot of really good things, but you so rarely hear about it because of everything else going on. So I decided, okay, I need to, I really wanted to be that person who was going to look at a, a kid and say, hey, I believe in you. I, I see way beyond the whole bad, you know, teenagers do all these bad things. I really wanted to be that person who could show that unconditional love and faith to kids who really, really need it. As everyone sitting here knows well, there are significant challenges that can get in the way of achievement. What's a typical day like for you during the school year? Can you kind of walk us through what that looks like? I mean, that's a, that's a really tough question to answer because there's no such thing as a typical day. Um, it changes every day, and I, that's what I love about it. Um, but I, I do a lot of responsive services, so I meet with kids, whether that's because they're having friend drama or they're having academic struggles. I meet with students who have, you know, who are bringing a lot of baggage from home into the classroom. Um, like I mentioned, I do teach a class um, called Career Pathways, and then I um, also do meetings. I, I sit in IEPs. I, I do a lot of different things. I kind of just run everywhere and, you know, try and get to know my students in as many different levels and areas as I can. Right. You kind of mentioned it. We know that students don't live out their academic experiences in a vacuum. If they have a tough time at home, it's hard not to bring that to school with them and let it affect their academic work. What have you seen from students in that regard? I, I mean, this year, more than ever, I've been seeing a lot of trauma. Um, I've had students who are coming. A lot of my students come from single-parent homes, and it's single-parent not only because of divorce, which I think was a, a more common thing when I was in school, but it's mom or dad is incarcerated, mom or dad were killed. Um, you know, I have older siblings who've been, you know, who've been killed or deported. Um, I've had families where they have relatives in Puerto Rico where the hurricanes are. It's, it's just, it's overwhelming just the amount of trauma that you hear about and that you still have students who can come in every day with a smile on their face, you know, still willing to work. But then you have those students who really struggle because they can't get out of their mind that 
dad's no longer there for them or why didn't mom call me back when I called her things like that so it really is this fine line as a counselor of being able to explain as much as I can about the trauma they're experiencing and then helping them process it that sounds like you would go home at the end of the day and just want to forget about all of it but maybe it's not like that maybe, what, what does a victory look like what does a positive experience look like where you helped someone um, victory looks, it looks like a lot of different things depending on the student. Sometimes it's a student being able to sit through a whole class period without their anxiety kicking in. They have to leave because they're so upset. Sometimes it's, um, it, it sometimes it's just being able to come home and say, okay, you know, they understood for even just that moment of time they were with me, they understood that they were loved and cared for and, that that's a that's a huge victory when i have kids who have their aha moments or kids who just can walk out with a smile on their face that makes me feel better about what i you know about the work i do Jonathan, milwaukee succeeds must see the effects of trauma what, what kind of programming can you offer to to sort of counteract that for us when we think about that within the work that we do within the partnership it's about how do you bring awareness Right. Uh, so not just the teacher is aware, but all of the adults within uh, that person's uh, life have the skills and capacities to deal with that trauma in a way that's meaningful. And so sometimes that's just being awareness. Sometimes that's needing to develop uh, language to understand that and also develop uh, tools or skills or practices to be able to deal with that um, and to be able to listen well. Right. I've often I often say that you can't deal with. Uh, academic or issues in the mind before you deal with issues of the heart, nice. and you have you have to do that first. Sabrina, how did how did your Marquette education prepare you for these daily experiences? Um, I had a lot of really great teachers at Marquette that really made me want to emulate them. <laughs> um, I remember, <laughs> for example, I remember going into my very first really big lecture hall. It was. I had to have been about 300 of us in there. And that in itself was overwhelming. But then two weeks later, I was, um, I was, walking, through, uh, I was walking through the hallway. And one of my teachers, he walks by and he goes, oh, hey, Sabrina. And I just kind of stopped like, what? You know, 300 kids. How, how in the world did you, you know, remember me? And I just remember thinking, man, like, you know, that's what I want to do when, when I go into education. So when I became a counselor, my first thing is always, I have to learn every kid's name. And that's a lot of names, but I never realized quite the impact um, that just knowing someone's name and saying hi would have on mm -hmm. them. Um, you know, I had a lot of teachers who were very dedicated to us, um, who got to know us very well inside and out. I have professors who, you know, knowing if I had a really, not going to lie, I had a really big date um, with my husband, actually, um, who became my husband. And one of my teachers, she knew that, and she goes, she just looks at me and she goes, it's 10 minutes early, you can just leave, you have to go get ready. And I was like, man, you know, but again, showing from Marquette that these teachers cared about us as individuals, we were more than just our ID numbers on a page. And I, I couldn't say that for a lot of universities, which is why I chose Marquette. When you look at the big picture in terms of Marquette connecting to Milwaukee, what are you most proud of? And what would be on your dream bucket list to accomplish? I'll start with Mike on that. Well, again, I am, I'm probably proudest of the service that our students, faculty, and staff do within the Milwaukee community. You know, on a given year, our, our students 
alone will do over 550,000 hours of community service. And so uh, just today, you know, we our students happen to be on uh, the first day of fall break, and we had um, uh, an event on our campus uh, for the homeless. And we had literally hundreds of homeless uh, people from Milwaukee on the campus with array of almost 300 different types of services they get provided. And as I walked from my office over to the Weasel Auditorium where we were kicking off the event, I encountered at least 100 of our students that were wearing blue shirts as volunteers that were giving up their fall break to help a community in, in, in uh, Milwaukee that really needed help. And, you know, our mission is to produce men and women who live their life in service to others. And I can just tell you, the faculty, we just talked about the faculty, the staff, the students, they live that mission every day. And I think that's what I'm most proud of. And, you know, I think that, you know, as we think about the changes we need to make in Milwaukee, you know, I know that Marquette can't solve all the challenges, but I know that we're going to be part of the solution. Bill, what are you most proud of and, and what else would you like to see? Well, of course, I'm equally proud of our students. That's what drew me here. When I was being interviewed and I heard the work in soup kitchens and starting their own foundations and that sort of stuff, it set this place apart from any other place I had worked before. And I was here for about six months and I said to one of my colleagues, I said, wow, this place is really special, but I don't have language for it. She said, Bill, Marquette has a soul. And I thought, wow, what a great way to put it. That's the ethos of the place that we have. As for the College of Education, uh, I'm proud of our contributions to Milwaukee Succeeds. Uh, I'm proud for the role we played in founding the Greater Milwaukee Catholic Education Consortium, you know, which is Marquette and the four other Catholic institutions of higher education, and the impact that that has had thanks to the Stolen Work Family Foundation over the last six or seven years. It, it doesn't exist anywhere in the United States. They look to Milwaukee and the GMCEC as a national model for how Catholic colleges and universities ought to work together in urban settings. Very proud of that. And, uh, and I'm really proud of uh, the role we played in uh, helping the Cristo Rey Jesuit High School get started. Uh, that was a three-year uh, journey, and it was uphill. Uh, and the difference was when uh, Marquette got behind it that made the difference for that school. And I can't walk to that into that school now without tearing up in some way because I see the promise, you know, now juniors we have and sophomores and freshmen and what how different their lives will be because Marquette cared enough to help make that school a reality. What have you seen from Marquette and what would you like to see from Marquette? Well, I would say, yeah, first I'm thankful for the leadership that Marquette has, both within the community but also within Milwaukee Succeeds as an organization. Um, I'm thankful for their willingness to to co-labor, to work alongside, and to really be thought partners but also to be action-oriented. So as I think about um, the future, uh, what excites me uh, about it is a willingness to take a risk, a willingness to plow ground that's unplowed and that may be hard at times, but a willingness to move forward in a way that builds our community up. Um, and so I'm thankful for Marquette as a partner to do that and also thankful for the other partners that come alongside this work, right? It can't be uh, just one or two community partners. It, it has to be the collective effort that will make a change. Serena, what are you proud of and what would you like to see? Um, I am really proud of the fact that Marquette 
from from day one, from my experience, um, always really stress that Kira personalis and caring for the whole person. I think I'll, I know I would have been lost without that in college, but that's something really big that I took with me when I went to a school is the idea of being able to look at a whole person and uh, being able to look at someone and really look at everything about them, not just their grades, not just test scores, looking at, at everything. Um, I think Marquette has been amazing with doing that. All the volunteer work that Marquette does in the community, I think is fantastic. I, I my, only, my only hope is that it continues and that it continues to grow and that they continue to bring in you know, new young talent into their uh, college of education to really help transform students' lives. Final question for our panel, uh, which we've asked the previous panel as well. What do you like most about Milwaukee? Mike, we'll start with you, but I assume your answer has not changed from the previous No, I actually, you know, I, I, I think it is going to change. I'm going to okay. steal one of the other answers and, yeah. uh, because I, I wasn't sure it was allowed, but I think it is. And, and you know, it really is Marquette. And, uh, I, you know, the, it's the people that we have in our community. And it, it's, it's the faculty, staff, it's the students, it's our alumni. And, uh, I, you know, every day I'm thankful to be part of such a great institution. Bill, your favorite thing about Milwaukee? Absolutely. Um, the opportunity to work at a place as principled as Marquette University and uh, to perhaps um, uh, exercise uh, whatever skills and abilities I might have or my colleagues might have to impact our community you don't always have a vehicle like that one. I mean, I'm excited looking to the future because we've got some surprises ahead with what we want to do with Catholic schools, with uh, STEM teaching, with our recent uh, National Science Foundation grant. Um, but if I were to pick one thing besides Marquette that I love about Mar uh, Milwaukee, it's the people. Um, Midwesterners are just so um, earnest and so sincere in their conviction to try to make things better. We're not always the best at it, but boy, the will is there. And if the will's there, there's hope. It's hard to go third, huh? Because some of those ideas I would echo. <laughs> I mean, I, I, as I think about that question, I think about the richness of, it, of the people in our community. Um, I think about the eagerness to spur one another on to uh, improve our community and to see something, uh, to see our community thrive, I guess is where I'll leave it. Um, we all love the lakefront, too. That was my answer last was, time. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Everyone's so serious. I was going to say Cops Custard, but I yes, feel please, like I no, need... Yes, <laughs> no, it does not have to be a serious answer. Take it out. I was going to say, Cops Custard, Tiramisu Custard especially, um, but also, um, you know, Milwaukee has, has always been my home, and I, I have to echo that I love the community as well. Um, everyone is very friendly, very outgoing, um, and that's something that when I travel, I don't see as much. Um, we're also very gracious during traffic sometimes. Um, so that also is, uh, you know, I think that's always great. Um, but I, ha I have to stick with the custard. That <laughs> 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 unites all of us. That's, yeah, exactly. that's what I'm getting tonight. So. Bring people together. <laughs> Thank you for listening to this episode of Marquette and Milwaukee. More episodes of this and other Marquette podcasts can be found at marquette.edu slash podcasts.